Hi there, this is Daniel Eccles, your host of the Learn Opportunity Podcast. Today we have a timely message from a guy named Darren Earlywine. And this is timely not only, I think, for you, but also for me. Darren talks a little bit about what to do when things aren't going the way you expected them to go. And maybe even you are experiencing the death of a dream. What opportunity is there if you are experiencing the end of something that uh, was good, that was happening in your life? You had an opportunity and things were going pretty well, but that opportunity has come to an end. That season is changing and there is a death of a dream. He also talks a little bit about how relationships are more important than opportunities. And that opportunity really doesn't come apart from relationships at all. Now, Darren's the perfect person to talk about all these things. He has had some dreams himself go away and, and die after some success. And he will talk a little bit about what he has done to get through that experience. He also is a really great source for talking about calling and purpose helping people discover the person that they were born to be. And so there are a lot of resources in this episode that you can find those links or resources noted in the notes section of this podcast episode. So make sure that you check out the things that Darren is doing. Make sure that you check out Spiritual DNA, which is something that we'll talk about. Check out his podcast check out his website, all these things, uh, a lot of really great things to help you figure out the person that you were born to be, and then also how you can find more opportunities even after some dreams and opportunities in your life have died. So I really enjoyed this episode. Darren is just a fun guy to talk to. Uh, I think that you're going to love this conversation with Darren Earlywine. Hi there, welcome to the Learned Opportunity Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Eccles. I'm here with Darren Earlywine. He's president and motivational speaker at Blackbird Mission, where he's helping people discover the person that they were born to be. He also has a podcast, the Darren Earlywine Podcast. You can catch that, I think, on just about any podcast platform. But another thing that he does is something called spiritual DNA. And we'll get a little bit more into that throughout the podcast. But Darren, introduce yourself to listeners. What's really important for them to know about you? Yeah. Daniel, thanks for having me on the podcast, first and foremost. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to be here. I, usually, I'm on the other side of the mic. So this is <laughs> I'm being interviewed, the guest. So it's it's good. I don't feel as nervous. Actually, I think I feel more nervous being the guest than, really? than, than oh, hosting. Yeah. I feel like it's easy. Yeah. But so yeah, a little bit about me, Darren Earlywine, and married for 20 years, got three boys, 17, 15, and 11. And as far as my two unique roles in life, my first unique roles is I'm the only person that can be my wife's first husband, so that's a unique one. And then I'm the person that gets to be my three boys' dad. And so that's mm-hmm. a big part of my life, professionally and calling-wise. Yeah, like you already said, I'm a speaker, a spiritual entrepreneur, if you will. 
and I've done a little bit of, of everything. Been local church pastor, church planner, radio, and led a ministry called Pub Theology. We do uh, outreach events and bars all over the, yeah. the, the city. Uh, like I said, used to have a radio show called Radio Theology. And uh, I think the biggest part, some of the things I'm most excited about right now is we're getting ready to relaunch Spiritual DNA, the online course with brand new content, brand new videos, brand new participant guide. And uh, the second thing would be I have a book coming out actually in October. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty fired this. up about that. So soon, I guess I can say I'm an author, which would be a little weird, but I'm stoked about it. Nice. So what, any chance we can hear, like, what's the subject matter for the book? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So the book is called The Death of a Dream, uh, Resurrecting Purpose When Life Doesn't Go as Planned. Mm. And then all my years of pastoring, leading spiritual DNA, hosting podcasts and radio shows, I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody, you know, maybe over over the age of, of 17 or 18, that hasn't experienced the death of a dream in some way. Something that, that they pursued, and usually maybe that first dream, or a lot of our dreams, we get our identity wrapped up in them. They become not just who, what we do, but they become, in a sense, who we are or who we want to be. Mm. And so when those dreams die, whether it's by self-sabotage or betrayal by someone else or, or life just happens, there's a big part of us that dies with that. Yeah. And so uh, the book takes you through my journey of having some dreams die, and we run parallel with the story of Joseph from the Old Testament mm-hmm. and uh, his his early dreams in life and just the ups and downs of that. And then the, the book halfway through begins to turn the corner to help you really figure out how do you resurrect that sense of not belief in yourself and knowledge of how to pursue dreams that maybe you've been custom made for, but a big part of that as well is how do you learn to trust God again, to dream again? Because mm-hmm. I think if we're followers of, of Christ, which I am, when, we're, when we have a dream that we maybe feel like God has given us or that we feel like is doing good in the world and it doesn't work out, I know it's tough to sometimes figure out, okay, God, like I was doing this for you or I was wanting this to, to, <laughs> yeah. to be a positive and uh, it didn't happen. Where were you at? Are you to blame? And so uh, the book just takes you through that process. And my hope and prayer for it is that a lot of people who read it will will see their trust in God restored and dreams that maybe they're, that they didn't know are still in their heart resurrected. So let's say that a listener has had plenty of opportunities already in their life, and but now they're in a new season where they maybe stumbled upon opportunity and it worked out and it was fine and that dream started to come true, but there's an end. How do they go about moving on from the previous opportunity and, and find opportunity yeah. and new purpose and yeah. from the that old dream? Yeah. The, this and I don't mean to sound, you know, trite or just a, a pun or something, but honestly and, and and I write this in the book, is I think it's important to have a funeral. Yeah. Because we don't like funerals. Most of us don't like to go. We don't want to deal with death, which I get. They're not my favorite place either. But newsflash, plot twist here, teaser, not teaser, spoiler alert, is that none of us get out of this deal alive. So mm-hmm. we're all going to have a funeral someday. And and so do our dreams. And I think what I mean by that is when you go to a funeral, you celebrate the life that was lived. You get up and you give a speech and, mm. and, and the tears sometimes don't come, especially if you have a, a family member or a friend who you knew they had a faith in, in Christ and you have faith and believe that they're in a better place. So it's, it's not that, they're, that the afterlife is not something that we can't find joy in or hope in, yeah. but we're, we grieve and we celebrate the life that was lived. And so I think if you're at a place where you chase a dream and it's dead is don't run from the grief, but have mm-hmm. a funeral where yeah. you may even get together with people that, that live that dream with you. Tell stories, laugh, celebrate, because it was a, an amazing, potentially amazing, beautiful season of life. And those years, mm-hmm. those months, days, however long it was that you had a chance to live a dream, that 
That's the best of life. So yeah. celebrate it. But then if it's gone, let it die because it's not until you let that die that, that you can really begin to move into the place where God can begin to resurrect new purpose and opportunity. And that's tricky. In, in my book, I spent a couple chapters talking about my original dream that died. Like I, I tried for over a decade to keep it on life support. Mm. And, and it wasn't, and it didn't accomplish great things and it hurt me. It hurt other people in my life and, and I wouldn't advise it, Mm. but it's really tough when something that you love, that you've held on to, that you spent years building to get to the place to go, you know what? Like this had, this had a life cycle. Yeah. It it was birthed. It lived. That was great, but it's dead. And we got to let it So how did you know when it died? For me, it was pretty obvious. My first dream was, uh, since I was in third grade, I wanted to be in a band. I'm, I'm, I was a professional drummer, <laughs> yeah. right? I went to travel yeah. the world and play drums. And uh, moved from Arizona to Indiana to pursue that dream hmm. and did it. We had a band. I traveled the nation, two nationwide tours while we were in college. We were courting uh, record companies and starting to get traction to, to sign a record deal. Yeah. And and then we had some internal internal strife with, with a band member who so did some things that that were very hurtful and broke trust. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the band was over. And so for then it was like, it was pretty obvious like this. And so I think those situations, the odd thing, you know, was that dream died in, in that form. But the difficult part for me was, and I think one of the reasons that I kept resurrecting it over the next 10 years was, and maybe it's the difference between opportunity and dream is I had the ability to play drums still. That didn't go away. I had opportunities to play drums. Yeah. And it was a thing where this is the way I wanted my life to work. And every time I tried to to make that the main part of my life, uh, what I know now looking back is I don't think God put me on earth to just be a drummer. And the and you still valued that very much. Totally. So, the, the playing of drums and everything. So I guess this is still the opposite side of opportunity. A lot of times people have a hard time finding opportunity because they don't know their values. You knew you valued the drums the options weren't there. Yeah, they weren't there. And yeah, and then they were and went after it. And then they Mm -hmm. weren't. And the odd part about that is that, like I said, opportunities kept showing up or in some ways, I I kept manufacturing opportunities in some ways Mm -hmm. that weren't necessarily things that that I felt like God brought to my life. They were just things that that I really made happen and they, they didn't pan out. And, and I wish I could go back a lot of those and, and, and move away from those times. But I think if you don't have a major moment, it's difficult because sometimes you don't know that a dream is dead because you're not sure, is this thing dead or are we just, do we hold on a little bit longer? Cause we're maybe mm-hmm. breakthroughs around the corner. Yeah. And, and I think that process is probably a little more art than science. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it didn't match entirely your values, even though you valued parts of it. Yeah. Um, and you try, kept on trying to, to force your way through. So how did you know that it was time to stop forcing? Yeah, I think, I think what coming back to, to build on the idea of value mm-hmm. is what I began to realize through the process is, is we'd be out doing a gig and we would play, we'd play bars, we'd play conferences, we'd play camps for kids, we'd play churches and Specifically when we'd be at a, maybe at a camp with students or even times we were in a, a secular bar somewhere in, in the States is we'd get done with the show and during the whole time I, I had a sense that I needed, I wanted to say something, wanted to share something with the audience, mm-hmm. but I'm just a drummer. I don't have a microphone. I'm not singing. <laughs> I'm just back there beating on things. And it was this kind of ache within me where I was like, man, I feel like I have stuff to say yeah. that would make a difference. And so what at that point, what I didn't know, but what was beginning to, to grow in me is a value for communicating for transformation mm. in people's lives and, and, and communicating for impact. 
And so that was the part that really began to grow more than just performing and entertain is what got me into that environment was pursuing my value and my talent. But what sustained me past it was taking not just talent, but also what I valued as far as complete impact. Yeah. And for me, the mm. value of transformation of someone's life was, was above entertaining someone for an hour and a half. Mm. Your metrics changed. Yeah, totally. And so I began pursuing that, pursuing communicating, preaching, speaking, still playing drums, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the number one. Mm. And uh, as that value changed, and as I look back, I talk about this in the book as well, is that none of the process, there's a chapter called um, Woven, Not Wasted. And a lot of times we go through a loss of a dream like that and we think, oh, that was all a waste. I just mm -hmm. wasted my 20s or mm -hmm. I just wasted, maybe it's a relationship. I dated that person for a year and a half. That was such a waste. It's like, no, it wasn't. Like, and the thing I had to figure out is that God is so good that he doesn't waste anything in our life. He's just, he's mm -hmm. weaving it together. If we'll continue to trust and walk with him, he weaves it together into, into creating the life that, that he has in mind for us. And so for me, as I look back, what's crazy is if we hadn't, the value back in the band was not just to entertain. We wanted to reach people outside of the church in the everyday spaces and places of life, bars and stuff. And that was the value when the vehicle, right, or opportunity changed. What I realized is that value was still deep inside of me. And then it was what actually led me to start pub theology. Same value involved there. Yeah. Just different venue, different vehicle. Yeah. And so... Many of those things never went away. It was just how they were expressed and manifest changed. You're still using the same or similar skill set, yeah. similar yeah. beliefs, similar values, all these similarities. is just the vehicle is different. Yeah, totally. Cool. cool. Yeah. Cool. And thinking of opportunity, what would you say has been one of the, the greatest opportunities you've had in your life? May, I hope this is answering the question. I, I could go to literally like open doors. But what I would say is the greatest opportunity in my life is relationships. Every single opportunity that has been brought to me in life has been the result of a relationship. Yeah. And, and I think maybe in my late teens and maybe twenties, I didn't know that yet. And so I pursued opportunities. Yeah. I pursued opportunities and, and it caused it. I think it created a, a kind of a anxiety angsty, worried life. Yeah. Like yes. I got to chase it down. I've got to find the right opportunity or worse, mm -hmm. worse than that. I have to create my next opportunity. Mm. And when I came to the place of realizing, listen, if I'm actually in a covenant with God and so he's promised to protect and provide for me, if he, if I actually trust that I'm his and he's leading the, the, my life, like not a, I, that's like on the sidebar, like yeah, God's there. But no, if I really believe it, then, then it's not on me to knock down every door and, and create an opportunity. My job is to build great relationships. And if I can build great relationships, mm -hmm. right, then God will bring the opportunities out of the relationship. And I think the thing is, if you are somebody who pursues opportunity above relationship, eventually you'll ruin the opportunity because you don't know how to sustain a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that's been the greatest opportunity. And I can go story after story that of cool opportunities yeah. that have been afforded to me. But those have mostly been afforded to you because of those relationships. 1,000%. Yeah, yeah. I see that even with my own story of where 
graduating from my master's and or from college, I feel qualified, I feel ready to start something, ready to work in an industry or make change happen, do mm-hmm. big things, leadership, all those things that Christian colleges teach you. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and be a world changer. World changer, yeah. yeah. So I feel qualified and ready because they've been telling me time and time again that's going to happen. So I wanted to really dive into that. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. All I need is an opportunity. I'm going to uh, ask people and, and let them know all of my skills, all of my mm. <laughs> abilities, all of these sort of things. Yeah. And, and almost uh, just a sense of like I, opportunity. Like I just deserve it. It's part of it. I've already done the work. Shouldn't I be getting opportunity? But that way of thinking was just so very individualistic. Mm. And focused on gaining things for myself. Yeah. And and then it didn't work out. And then I ended up probably going to a lower mar- mindset where I'm more feeling marginalized and that other people have opportunity and I don't. Mm. Let's say you were talking to me right out of college. Yeah. Right out of graduate school. I feel qualified and everything. What would be something different, a different mindset that I could have had in order to actually find opportunity to, yeah. Great to, question. to build on that. I think what I would say just pops into my head is, is for one, right? You, I mean, focus on your strengths, right? On who you are. If you know your field, the, the vertical of life that you're going to be in, get in your lane and then focus on like building relationships and serving other people. Yeah. Because if you're somebody, and often, you know, times opportunities are afforded to you by people older than you or maybe people more established than you. And I can see this now as a 44-year-old guy who's been around the block a little bit is I'm more drawn to give opportunity to a younger leader who I don't think is trying to use me for opportunity. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where I get it. When you're 20 something getting out of college, everybody's ambitious. You want to make a mark on the world. Like we were, like I was 20 once. I like I get that mindset, and it's needed and necessary because you you need a job. You need to make an impact. But I think when you're around more seasoned people, like they can smell that from a mile away. Like you see me as an opportunity. You're here because of what I can give you or what you can get mm-hmm. out of me. And after you've done that for a while, like you're looking for people where it's like there's a guy with confidence or a girl with confidence in, in humility in the character that, that they're here to, to build a relationship and to serve in some way. And I think um, that's the advice I'd give somebody is get in your lane. So it's, that doesn't mean you serve, you pour every same thing into every mm-hmm. relationship or every avenue, get to the lane of life that you feel like that you've been led to, to make an impact in and then focus on building relationships for the sake of building relationships mm-hmm. for the sake of serving and loving others because out of that I think will flow genuine opportunity and you'll be more well received because you won't be seen as someone who's coming to a consume right yeah it's more of a life on mission and mm-hmm. being focused on the goal the values the mission behind what opportunities you're seeking whereas I feel like I was more interested in my own personal leadership or mm. success yeah. or ambition when it comes to my individualistic needs. Yeah. So if it's more about mission than individuality, how do you go about discovering your mission? How would you help somebody f- start discovering that? Yeah, that's why I created a spiritual DNA. Mm-hmm. 
I created it out of my own journey and my own pain. Yeah. I don't feel like I fit. I don't feel like we're all supposed to be the same. Like I think there's some individual like gifting and calling and uniqueness here, but no one's ever really taught me about that. Mm. And so as I dug into the scriptures more and, and read other books and things, I began to stumble upon things where I was like, I think there's a unique design to each one of us. And if I could figure that out, I could really discover my unique personal mission. Mm. And so then when I came across scriptures, the second, second chapter of Ephesians, where it talks about that we're the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. Mm. And it was like, wait a second here. In advance. Like I've been crafted and there's something already out there waiting for me. And then the main passage that, that unlocked it for me when I started to create, you know, the framework around spiritual DNA comes from Second Peter, where it says that we have been given everything. Jesus has the power of God by which he has given us everything we need for life and for mm. godliness. Like mm. we have been given, like past mm. tense, we already have it. That in our knowledge and our connection to him, mm. we already get everything that we need to live and to serve God. And for me, I'm like... Is there a physical parallel to this scripture that would help me get it a little bit better? And it's huh, physical DNA, right? The moment that you were conceived, mm. you had everything you needed to become who you are. You've mm. just grown up into what you've already always been, right? From the moment you were conceived, you had 46 physical chromosomes. They were all there. Yeah. And the raw material that's made every one of us physically, nothing, none of it changed. Mm. We just became what we already were bef when we were, right? Yeah. So it's, it, it, I think the same thing is being said about our spiritual DNA is that you already have everything in you to become who you were born to be. It's a process of, of discovering it and then maturing into it. And so I would tell somebody, this is very self-serving, finding my own opportunity here, but I would <laughs> tell... Why are we having you on here? I Come would on. tell one of your listeners, go to spiritualdna.me and take the online course because you're going to discover, you're going to discover your who first, who you are. And you're going to discover that comes from Ephesians chapter four, where it talks about that, that God has given gifts to each person and, and the five giftings there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Mm -hmm. And to, to use more of a, to change those terms into more of a kind of a, an everyday term for the word apostle would be pioneer for the word prophet would be creative. Evangelist would be connector. Shepherd would be nurturer and teacher would be guardian. And so that is who I think that each one is, each one of us is created to be. And so the illustration there is it's like your position on, on the basketball team, right? There's mm -hmm. five positions. And if you don't know, let's just say that, that profit creatives are like a center. If that's who you are on the team and you try to play point, you're going to get cut because there are going to be like, you're six, eight, right? Like you can't dribble, yeah. get down and get a rebound and vice versa. If you're, if you're, let's say maybe the, the apostle slash pioneer is like the point guard, bringing the ball up the court, getting things started. If you're like, I man, I really want to be a center. It's a, you're going to get cut. B, you're probably going to get injured and you're going to burn out trying to get rebounds all day, but you can't cause you're six, two and you're trying to get rebounds over a guy that's six, eight. Right. Mm -hmm. So you got to know who you are. You got to discover that first. Then you got to discover really why you do what you do. And at Spiritual DNA, we take you through the Enneagram. I don't know if you've done anything with the Enneagram yep. before. Yep. Uh, I love that tool, and it, it helps you really start understanding core motivations. Yeah. And I think one of the issues, especially if you have younger listeners, is we get so caught up in what we're doing, and sometimes what, and that's a lot of actions, right, like actions and behaviors. And some of them are positive, some of them are negative. And I feel like sometimes even the things that, that trip us up in life, we try to fix ourselves from the outside in mm. and we don't actually know why we do what we're doing 
And I love the Enneagram. It helps you get a, a picture mm-hmm. of what are some core lies that motivate me? What are some of the fears and core sins that might be at work in my life? And if I can begin to work on those and grow and, and shape my motivation, mm-hmm. what will flow is I'll begin to become who I was born to be from the inside out. So I tell you, discover your why. The next thing I would tell you is you got to discover your what, which is what you do better than 33 million other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we take people through the Strengths Finders profile, and I uh, love Strengths Finders. Very scientific breakdown of really basically the way that your brain has been wired together, the synaptic you know, connections in your brain that have given you these natural born talents. And if you can grow in those natural talents and add skill and knowledge to them, you can get to the place where you can perform practically perfectly in that place. And if you understand what you do, you can show up in life with a lot of humility and confidence at the same time. And so once you stack those together, you know, okay, I know who I am. I know why I, do, why I do what I do. I know what I do better than 33 million other people. Then that, that last piece comes to where you do it. Yeah. And, and that's well. just a process of starting to uncover passion. And a lot of that is talking about those values. And when you can answer definitively and, and with passion, those four questions, like I know who I am. I know why yeah. I do. I know what I do. And I know where I do it. Life gets really fun. I love that you use those different assessments and pile them all together into a more holistic approach. You got the first one being a very spiritual assessment and based off of giftings, spiritual gifts. You have a more personal development assessment like the Enneagram, professional development, which is strength finders. It works very well in a professional environment. And then the last of all is looking at of values yeah. in general for that, where I, I really like that format. Yeah, I thank you. I haven't done spiritual DNA. Uh, now well, I'm intrigued. It's time, Daniel. It's time. It's 2022. <laughs> I'll just have to set that up. I know that there's some uh, being offered uh, right now at Mercy Road where I go to church. Yeah. And if you don't go to church yeah. anywhere, you, and, and maybe you're even new to a spiritual yeah. conversation, just go to spiritualdna.me. And uh, you can get the online course and, and take it at your own leisure and watch the videos, take the assessments, and, and uh, you can be part of our uh, free online community as well to get extra content and coaching as well. Mm. So what do you think is preventing people from taking these next steps? Fear. I think it, it all comes back to fear. And I think it, it hits us in different ways and based on our DNA is I think for some people, the, the fear is, is of rejection. And for them, it's it's shame-based. I'm afraid to take this because I'm afraid what other people are going to say about me. Mm-hmm. Whether I And that could be whether I succeed or fail. Mm-hmm. And I think some people, it's fear of, of failure specifically that keeps them moving forward. Um, for them, it's so much of what drives them is, I, is a sense of I am what I do or I am what I accomplish. Henry Nouwen talked about the, the three core lies of humanity are I mm. am what I do, I am what others say or think about me, and then I am what I have. And I think one of those core fears, an underlying operating system for everybody, mm. that one of those you identify with and it screws with your motivation and your brain in a way that it keeps you from moving forward. So it, it shapes out differently, but I, I think the number one factor is fear. Yeah. I think there's also fear just of the change and having to do something different. Yeah. Uh, a big thing about the Enneagram is uh, taking those motivations and doing something different <laughs> because yeah. it's not working anymore. Yeah. Uh, but that's very scary because you don't know the results yeah. because you've never experimented with it. You're comfortable yeah. in, in the place that you currently are. Um, people don't change until they need to. 
yeah. eventually that need will probably outweigh fear. But if somebody is getting closer, then maybe it's time. Uh, get on spiritual DNA, yeah. take the Enneagram, do all these other things. But here's one thing that concerns me about our culture right now mm, Yeah, is what we've gone through, in my opinion, with coronavirus. And I've known people that have family members that have died. I've had it twice. For me, it wasn't that big of a deal mm-hmm. physically. So I've seen both spectrums, and I'm not here to debate that part of it. What I'm concerned about long-term for people being able to step into opportunity, to step into fear, is we have spent two years seeped in fear. Yeah. Everything we've heard or thought about over the past two years has been fear-based. Like every one of our conversations, I don't know, what about this? What about this? What about this? And everything comes back to trying to manage fear in some ways. And I'm concerned of what that's going to do to us as human beings in the short term and the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I get really concerned. I have an 11 year old, you know, son, and I, and even my teenagers. I get very concerned for this next generation that that so much of their formidable years, mm-hmm. they've not been they've not been told to be courageous. They've not been told to take risks. They've not been told to to, to find strength to take to take their their life and and their health and strength in their own hands. They've been told to to shrink back in fear. And that concerns me for, for what we see in the next generation and, and kids' ability to, because yeah, it, you, you change when you have to, but then some people just never change Yeah, and they waste their life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my prayer and hope for the next generation is that what comes from it is a strong, resilient spirit mm-hmm. and they don't succumb to a false sense of our sense of fear and a false sense of security. I loved Erwin McManus was talking about this. He's one of my favorite authors and pastors and was talking about that, that so much right now of our lives have been built are being pulled into and we're being sold and this illusion of safety. Yeah. Yeah. As if we can really control our lives mm-hmm. and the idea of keeping ourselves safe and then you break down statistically how many things could kill you in any given day. And you look at the things that have killed way more people annually than coronavirus ever did. And we didn't leave paralyzed by fear of the, by that. Yeah. But now we've bought into this idea that if I do certain things, I can get my life where I have now removed risk or fear out of it. I'm now safe. It's, no, you're not. Like the da- most dangerous thing you're going to do today is drive your car. You know what I mean? Like a bazillion things could kill you. Like you have, there, yeah. you know, it's an illusion. Well, of our last generation has lived during probably one of the most secure, less risk taking times yeah. possible. When you look back on history, things like coronavirus are the norm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you keep going yeah. and innovate through it. Yeah. And yes. And especially in maybe less developed places of the world. And so that's a part of looking at the idea of opportunity is if it's a relationship, if it's whatever, it's all risk. Yes. Yeah. And if you're waiting for fear to subside before you step into a new opportunity, or a new relationship, it ain't going anywhere. Mm. Like it's, it, and that's where I think the, the need and the call to become courageous is so important. Mm-hmm. So what are you learning about right now when it comes to opportunities? I think one of the things that I'm seeing, and I, I've already said this, I was trying to think of something else to say because I don't want to sound like a broken record, but here's what's blowing my mind right now is um, the past 24 months have been a, a real editing season for me and a narrowing of the focus, really trying to niche down into my life. And 24 months ago, I thought I was going to have a nationwide syndicated radio show. But one phone call, that's gone. Wow. Because of COVID. And I've spent a lot of times getting a lot of time getting a lot clearer 
on that on those things that, that I just walked you guys through a minute ago of my who, my why. Yeah. I, getting more and more clear on my spiritual DNA and once again betting my life on it. Mm. And what's been blowing my mind, honestly, is the opportunities that have started coming my way in the past even three to six months is I was just talking to my executive director for my nonprofit yesterday and two opportunities came out of nowhere. And, 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 and mm. she said, it's crazy how much is happening while we're still on defense. And I was huh. like, what do you mean? And she's like, we haven't even, we haven't even started going after opportunities. Mm. They just keep showing up to the point where we're, a lot of it, we're just responding to opportunities that are coming more than we're pursuing them. And so I think the thing that I'm learning is if you do the hard work to get really clear on who God's created you to be mm-hmm. is when he says that, that you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do, like he meant it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the opportunity is out there. The mission is out there. Like you don't get there and create it. You discover who you were created to be and then you show up in it. And I think that's what I'm learning is that mm-hmm. if I can discover who I'm created to be and be faithful and courageous to take that path, I'm blown away by by how much opportunity God sends my way. It, it seems counterintuitive to me. When you think of opportunity, a lot of times we'll think of, oh, I need more. And it's more reactive. But I think that what you're saying is that opportunity is coming more from a, a place of response. Mm-hmm than reactivity yeah you have taken time to make sure that things are sustainable make sure that you're clear on those values make sure that you're clear on your mission and what you care about and then when an opportunity does come along you're able to clearly identify it and respond totally instead of okay, we really need something here. Let's all hustle and do more things in, in all these different directions. Yeah. And then opportunity doesn't necessarily come. You're focused too broadly. Yeah. And you're not actually sure of your what, yeah. your why. Well, you don't need a bunch of opportunities and you don't yeah. need someone else's opportunity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Yeah. The wrong opportunity is not an opportunity. It's an obligation. And it probably is a, a freaking detour that ruins your life. Like, I don't need a lot of opportunity. I need the opportunities that have already been appointed for me. Mm-hmm. I need the right opportunity. I only need one of them. And so I, I totally agree. If you're talking about a world right now that is absolutely just gluttony, a plethora of opportunities, you look at how many jobs there are available right now. If we're talking about yes. professional jobs, yeah. there's more opportunity. I would say now, maybe if you're looking to quit your job and go get a new one, this is the time. Yeah. And I would say... um, not because they're not opportunities if they don't fit. There's a lot more options. There's a lot of options. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't know your mission, if you don't know the, what we've already talked about in this episode, yeah. then then it may feel like there aren't opportunities for you. Or more sadly, you may chase after what what feels like life to you. You may go f- chase after mm. a, a bigger paycheck or a better looking position in some way, whatever. And that's not the opportunity for you. And you may be able to accomplish it. But you may be, it may lead you away from peace and purpose and passion. And so I think it's a deal. There's great options and opportunity. But I like what you said. There's options. But for it to become the right opportunity, you got to know what lane you need to stay in. Yeah. Yeah. So are there any questions in wrapping up here that you wish 
I would have asked you. That's a good question. I, I nothing popped into my brain. You, this has been a great conversation. I, I, oh, thanks for not, coming on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The yeah, only question would be how do, how do people buy the book? <laughs> <laughs> that was actually my next question, though, is how can people connect with you? How can people learn more about, yeah, the about annoying what you're thing, doing? The only thing is I don't even know how people can buy the book. It comes out in October, <laughs> and I don't even have a pre-order link yet or anything. Best thing to do is just is go to DarrenEarlyWine.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast there. Uh, I believe they're on the website. You can go to DarrenEarlyWine.com. Uh, you could also go to IamBornToBe.com, and I have a five-day jumpstart to purpose. It's an audio audio kind of devotional. They're a little short, five, six-minute audio devotionals. I send you uh, in the next five days. Mm. You just go to IamBornToBe.com. Give me your email address, and we'll send you uh, the five-day jumpstart to purpose. Kind of help you on this process and. And if you get in the mix with the five-day jumpstart, you'll know when the book comes out and, and, and that kind of stuff. Or if you say, hey, listen, I don't need a jumpstart to purpose. I want to go right now. I want to jump into spiritual DNA. And you just go to spiritualdna.me and you could start that journey. Cool. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for, for coming on and just sharing a little bit about some opportunities that people have to discover more about who they were made to be. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully discover purpose and their who, what, why, when, how all there those it is. things there it is i love it so, it's been great thanks so much and uh listeners thank you so much uh, for listening we will be back next time as we continue to find more opportunities in your personal and professional life